that he would speak into you and through you, that the anointing of preaching falls upon you and that the anointing of listening falls upon us. And I pray that every word that is spoken here today lifts us up and encourages us and challenges us in Jesus' name. Amen. I see people shivering in the back because it's colder in the back than it is in the front. If you even come halfway up here, and don't ask me to explain it, but uh, somehow the heat isn't working as well. If I were in the back now, I would want to come up somewhere around here. You can stay there if you want, but uh, it is warmer. It's warm here, and it's cold back there. So... We'll just take a, just one moment to see if there's any shift. Turn to somebody and tell them something that you want to receive for Christmas. Go ahead. That, something that you want to receive for Christmas. <laughs> tell somebody. How much do they cost? I asked somebody that wants naps for Christmas, so how much do they cost? We have a, we have a few people that want naps. Okay, I want to tell a story to the kids. You guys can listen if you want. But you, I, I'll just let the kids stay where they are, but I'm, I'm talking to kids of all ages. Let me pray for you. He prayed for me. I'll pray for you. I pray that God's word goes deep in your heart. The Bible says it doesn't return void. Thank you for your powerful word. It comes to transform us, to equip us, to convict us where needed to encourage us, to shatter our ideas and to bring his ideas. Do it, Father. So here is Joseph, a young man Joseph, and he is shattered by some news that he has just heard. And it would shatter the heart of any young man that is preparing to be married. And that is that his wife-to-be is already expecting. And the Bible says that he's a just man, and so he is going to take care of this quietly rather than go public in his anger. 
So it appears that he's more sad than he's angry. But he's definitely going to take care of it because he's not going to marry a woman who's carrying somebody else's child. And yet his heart is open. It's not so shattered that he's not so angry that he can't even hear God. And God comes to him in the night through a dream and says, Joseph, this is different. That which has been conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit making God the father of this child. And then Isaiah, who is writing this, says in Matthew 1, as he's telling the Christmas story from Matthew's version, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, a virgin shall be with child. That's an oxymoron if there ever was one. And will give birth to a son, and they will call him, which is, I love prepositions. Who knows what a preposition is? Okay, Miss School Teacher, what's a preposition? Listen to those words. Listen to how small they are. By, to, on, for, with, on, around. They're little words. You know why I like prepositions? Because they never talk about themselves. They never refer to themselves. They're the most humble part of speech. Nouns don't do that. (laughs) But... Prepositions, often little words. Do you know Webster, what he calls them? Literally, this is what he calls them. He calls prepositions relation words. Because they connect you to the object. To the important object. So they are humble, but they're absolutely essential. They went to the house. What's the preposition? What's the object of the preposition? They went house. It makes zero sense. They went house. You need the preposition. You've got to have the preposition. Or you don't understand it. They went to. Oh, oh, it's that, that one. The one with the yellow trim. That house. Emmanuel, God. got to be one of the most powerful prepositions in the English language in this passage right now. Now we're going to come back and talk that specifically. But let me just say that God You want it? Well, you want me to have it. Okay. Okay. I thought I was going to give it to her. I thought she wanted to be with me. Okay, so here we got God and us. What could come between, what could we use? God over? 
Yeah. God for, we had talked about that last week with Bob. God around, how powerful God with. Now let me just talk to you for a little bit. God has always wanted to be with us. In the eternal counsel of his sovereign will, he chose to create a universe. And so on the first day, he spoke forth and said, let there be light. And light danced in the universe. Not stars, not suns yet, because that happened on the fourth day. When God made, in his outlandish and extravagant purpose that only he knows, he created 17 trillion stars. We can't even say the number. There are some scientists who believe, and I am one of them, (laughs) that believes that there are more stars than are grays of sand on the seashore. There are scientists who believe that because they already know, and the extension of what they know is there, and then what they think is there, there are billions and billions and trillions and trillions of stars. And so God, in one moment, spoke forth that many stars in the, in the delight of his own self-will. On the sixth day, then he talks to himself in this blessed community called the Trinity, he says, let us, let us, let us speak humanity into existence and let this one be, what? Like us. Oh my, here's this eternal God that just put stars into space and now he's going to make somebody who's like him. And quality control had already stamped on each day good. Now on day six, after he creates man, what does he say? God is happy. God is joyful. And there is some indication by what happens in chapter three that God has already been taking walks with his friend, in the cool of the day. Why? Because he wants to be with them. Don't, you can't explain it. That one so great that in one word he can create existence, he can bring life out of a word and create 17 trillion stars by just speaking it forth, that that one wants to be with us. Then in chapter 2, he uses the zoom lens to focus in And here is this man in this incredibly beautiful new earth that he has created, and he's taking care of it, no trash, no recycling, just enjoying this creation. But then he sees that he has a need that God doesn't fulfilling. That's pretty amazing. And then he handcrafts a woman that makes Adam incredibly happy it it says in the hebrew 
bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, which interpreted means, wow. (laughs) And then he walks with them. Why? Because he wants to be with them. Now, if you fast forward to the end of the book, we go from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. Here's what we find. The same God, chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. We were just at the new earth, but now we're at a new, new earth. When I discovered, this is a tangent, when I discovered that it wasn't just a new heaven but a new earth, I got excited about heaven. Frankly, I wasn't enamored by streets of gold. It didn't do anything for me that it had a pearly gate and it was made of, of, of uh, all these jasper. And the, but when I saw the new earth and I discovered I, would, I, I could be on the new earth and explore, I thought, that's worth waiting for. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. Israelis hate sea. They were, they were, they were afraid of the seas. I saw the holy city. Now, listen, you thought we were going to heaven. Listen, I saw the holy city of New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne. God is excited. Say it loud. God is excited. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Exclamation point. Now the dwelling of God is with men. He will live with them. They will be no his people, a pronoun, and God himself will be with three times with. You get the idea that God wants to be with us? God really longs to be with us. We look for God, and sometimes we do strange things to try to find him. Martin Luther crawled on his bloody knees up the steps of the Vatican to try to do business with an angry God. People will go to a place that they think, that, that may be where I can find God. Don't they do that? All around the world, they go to a place. Or they'll go to a person, or they'll go to stained glass. Let me, let me get peace. Let me find a place. And they're trying to get spiritual. And God, who is spirit, comes to Adam and Eve, and he's going to come to us. Personal presence. But then something happened. It, this is the sad part. This is really, really sad. So God takes a walk in the cool of the garden, but it, Adam and Eve aren't there. They're hiding. It's no longer God with. Because something has happened that caused them to die immediately. The day you eat, the day you eat of the fruit, what does it say? You will surely They died. Oh, my. And now what we're born with is the phantom pain of of something that existed once upon a time but no longer exists. We 
We sense there's something. There's some need I have. There's this vacuum in me. What is it? People don't know what it is. They think I'm hungry. Or I need success. Or I need a reputation. Or I I need friends. Or I need a job. Or I I need money. It's God. And they didn't know what it was. And so they fought. And so rather than it being God with us, it was God against. And it was so hard on God. Because here you've got children of Adam and Eve, and one kills his brother. Oh, that's a happy family. The epidemic spread over the whole race, and broken-hearted God. Do you know how, how broken he was? Listen to this. Chapter 6. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on earth, and his heart was filled with pain. A suffering God is abhorrent to Greeks. God doesn't suffer. Yes, he does. Here he is suffering at the cleavage between this one that he wants to be with and has shunned him and said, no. And it's, it's spread throughout the whole race. And so God calls out a man. Then he calls out a nation. I'll bring them back by touching this man, this nation, and this nation together resists him. King after king resists God, against God, pushing away. And broken-hearted God sends prophets so that they will listen. What do they do to the prophets? They kill the prophets. And they're fighting against God. They're at enmity with God. Little clues are thrown out along the way. One day, God will come personally and powerfully. Hints that you could hardly even see, but were there for those few who were looking. You know their names, Mary and Elizabeth and holy people who were waiting for the redemption of Israel to be reconciled to this God who wants to be with us and we can't seem to get it right. And then in back of an overcrowded motel Inconceivably, God shows up. But that's a problem. And I want you to take a moment and spin around, and it's just what you're going to do. Why is that a problem? What questions does that create? What problems arise that God is there? 
What questions does it rise in our mind? What questions does it rise about God? Why does that create confusion? Why don't we understand? Why don't we get it? There's silence now for 30 years before he starts to do his thing. Turn, turn groups of three or four. What is the problem that that just created? Two or three, just quickly, take a moment. What, what, what's the problem? God coming like he came. Okay, no one would, no one could believe it. Why not? Wasn't royal. It it was it was in Bethlehem. It wasn't the city of the great king. It was in Bethlehem, the least of all the clans of Judah. No one important showed up. Keep coming. Why why was it a problem? Wasn't given a priority. What do you mean? Okay, you don't expect a king. You don't expect God to come into a major. Okay. Who's going to believe a virgin? It's illegitimate. He was, he 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 accepted that role. Ill, illegitimacy. What about Jews? Here's 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 Jews. They're supposed to believe that this person is God. Wait a minute. We're monotheistic. God's in heaven. God's the name that we don't name. He doesn't have a name. This guy's got a name. He's walking here. That couldn't be God. God is God. God is great. God is the creator. God's not here. God doesn't get tired. God doesn't need a drink of water. Other problems. Okay, yeah, yeah, we got to get to God. God doesn't come to us. How could a baby be God? How is that possible that a baby? Now, some of you may think, well, that he wasn't God then. He, he became God. No, 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 no. In him, the fullness of deity dwelt from the time he was born. That is God. That baby saying goo goo. And doing what other babies do. Don't make something weird out of this. No crying he made, says the way in a manger. Uh-uh, crying he made. He made crying. What does that say about the declaration? Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Had. What does that say about that declaration? There's one God. Now you're telling me I'm praying to this God and now this one's God? Wait a minute. Sorry. Karen told me not to yell. We need wives, guys, to help us out. This creates, we don't have a, pro, a prototype for this. We don't have a prototype for a God-man. We don't have a model that can help us adjust to this. The early church fought this for centuries. This was the single great, and still is, the single greatest issue that creates theological garbage. It is that God is fully God. In Christ, he is fully God and fully man. The two coming together. 
in one. This is a problem. Can God and man come together in a body? Can God take on flesh? The Bible says God is spirit. And yet you're telling me this person is in flesh. I wonder if there was anyone who got this better than John. Because in both his gospel and his epistle, first of all, in his gospel, he talks about the word who is with God and the word who is God. And then 13 verses later, he trumpets forth with these five words, and the word became flesh. We should just marvel at that. How can word take on flesh? Flesh is what the Bible uses in several different ways. One way, flesh is what is in contrast to spirit. Flesh is what perishes. Flesh is what dies. All flesh is as grass. In other words, it's here today and gone tomorrow. I mean, you get older. Jesus himself got older. They said, Art, you're not yet 50. He aged more than others. Here was a 30-year-old, and they said, you're not yet 50. That was not a compliment. Jesus got older. He grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. And yes, he aged, and he needed water, and he got tired. He's a man, fully a man, in all ways, tempted as we are. What do you do with that? And he's God. I'll tell you, the only thing we can do is tremble and fall at his feet and honor him as God. So let me just finish this story, and then we're going to have you break up into small groups one more time. So we don't hear much about this little one. We hear a couple stories at birth, and then we hear one story as a 12-year-old. Possibly he's coming to be bar mitzvah because that's the age at which Orthodox Jewish boys would come to Jerusalem and that they would have memorized a portion of and quote it to the religious leaders. And we see something of the understanding of Jesus heightening. Did he know when he was four that he was God? I don't think so. To say that he was God doesn't mean that he knew when he was a toddler that he was God. But there was a dawning, a revelation coming to Jesus of his uniqueness. And we don't know when it came. But at 12, he caused the religious leaders to marvel. They wondered who they're dealing with. That he had wisdom that was profound and way beyond theirs. And then after looking for him, and being so upset, so angry, what are you doing? And he doesn't offer an excuse. He says, didn't you know that I had to be about my father's? So at 12, he knows something of his Jews didn't talk about their father, God. Jesus did. By 12, it's dawning on him. Can you imagine what perfection would do to bullies? It sorrows me to think that the man of sorrows didn't start sorrowing at 30. He started sorrowing at 5 or 4. 
when people picked on him. There was no sin on that toddler. There was no sin. There, no, no time where he felt, give me that, that's mine. I didn't have to teach that to my kids. They picked it up real easy. They had the nature. Jesus didn't. His divine nature kept him from sin. And then we st- he comes on the scene at age 30. And he begins to do things that are out of the box. Like walk on water. He is subject to the laws of gravity. Except when he chooses not to be. He is subject to the elements. Except when he says, be still. And they were afraid of the storm. And now they're afraid of Jesus. Because they hadn't seen that before. And something begins to dawn on them. As he speaks a word out. And bad spirits shriek and leave people's bodies. And he speaks a word of healing 30 kilometers away. And somebody's healed. Oh my, what are we dealing with here? We're not dealing with a man. And so Jesus sits down with him at Caesarea and Philippi and says, so who, who do people think I am? See, he knows now who he is. Well, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, one of the prophets, and then he gets very personal. Who do you say? Now listen to this. This is a Jewish Orthodox who says the Shema every time he goes into the synagogue. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus just is so blessed. Peter. Flesh and blood didn't give you that secret. It's been revealed to you by my Father who is in heaven, whose Son I am. They're, they're getting it now. What a revelation. What a breakthrough. But then he starts to tell them he's going to die. It breaks their heart. They try to change him. Peter takes him. This will not. He gets in his face. You read it. He's rebuking him. This will not happen to you. Because they knew if it happened to him, they're with him. And that's what it did because it was God against us and we're against God. We're against this man. And we're going to cut him up. We're going to take him out. It says in 1 Corinthians 2.8, If they had known the spirits of this world, who he was, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Uses that phrase. He's God. God died at the cross. God the Father? No. Because God the Father doesn't have any needs. God the Father doesn't drink water. God the Father doesn't get old. He's the ancient of day. God the Son, yes. He needs water. He needs a drink. He's thirsty at the cross. He says, I thirst. 
I'm needy. I'm vulnerable. I'm open. And God the Son has the, that ugliness that started right in the garden poured into him. You know what it was poured into? Scripture is very clear about this, and it repeats it so many times. I'll show you next week. So many times in his body. He reconciled us in his body, in his flesh. I was in South America, and we were having chili con carne. And I said, what's this con carne part? He said, you know, it's con with flesh, he said. That's what he said. It's with flesh, meat. Chili with meat. Oh, God con carne. Oh. So this person here is God concarnate, God with flesh on. And the Bible says he suffered in his flesh. He did it like you and me, see. He suffered in his flesh. And then he proved who he was when he rose from the dead. Talked for 50 days with his close disciples, and then again defied the laws of gravity by by raising up from the earth and ascending to the right hand of the Father. He and his Father are anxious to once again be with you. He is looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. The Bible says we set our hope fully. That, that is our full hope on, on the revelation that is coming when he returns. That's our hope. Our hope isn't I have a good day today. I hope is I have a good life in eternity and that I prepare for that. I live for eternity. I'm living for what is not yet. I'm living for the world to come. I'm not living to advance my cause on this earth. I'm living for the king, which is to live for eternity. So I'm focusing on my destiny. In the meantime, I want that with to burn in my heart. Because suffering can cause me to think without. Pain can be interpreted as the absence of God, right? In fact, God is no more present than he is with us in our pain. And so our, we wait now for the return. What I want you to do is is uh, once again to break up in your group and it, this is so holy even to think of, think about the incarnation it is so holy it is so it is so beyond us to even imagine that God would be encased in a body that God would would uh, surrender himself, empty himself to confine himself to the uterine wall of a virgin girl. That's mysterious, and it's, it's great, Paul says to Timothy. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh. How could that be? That's incredible. That's way beyond. Here's what I want you to do in your group. I want you to share with one another how you access the with. 
Different ones of us do it different ways. Maybe some of us are struggling now to access that because you feel God is out there. Something has happened in your life. You lost your job or you lost, you didn't get the grade you thought or you thought the business was going to go and it didn't. And, and maybe that's affected you. How do we access the with in this season as we wait for him? Share among one another. Pray for one another. Pray for those who are struggling to apprehend that with in this season. Go ahead. Spin around, then we'll close it up in a few minutes. Yes. Yeah. Right after this. <laughs> access the presence. Different ones. Just share how you access. And we're going to access his presence through his holy body and blood, through communion. But different ones. Just. Speak out good and loud. Through worship. That's a wonderful way to access his presence. We adore him. Mm, It gets noisy sometimes, huh? Life can get noisy. Life can get demanding. We need to dial down, quiet down, and access the God who is always with us but sometimes we don't see it how else pardon pray in the Holy Spirit what a wonderful way we have yet to discover the power of praying in the Holy Spirit to the limits that God wants us to pardon scripture is another wonderful way open the book and just let the scriptures speak to you listening he speaks he speaks Service. Did you say service? That's a wonderful way to access God's presence. To simply step out and do what he calls you to do. And obedience, it says in John 14, that those who have his commands and obey them, he loves them and he comes and makes his abode with them. He actually comes in a special way in our obedience. Wonderful. He comes to us this way. The Bible says that he comes to us in tangible, physical ways. You wouldn't have expected it. We couldn't have drawn this. We couldn't have written this story that God would come in this way and come to us in physical, tangible ways like in flesh and like in bread and wine. But that's how he comes to us today. So we remember Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And then when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Same way also, he took the cup, and when he had supped, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for many. For the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Take and eat. Take and drink.
now the body of our Lord Jesus Christ and His precious blood strengthen you, keep you steadfast unto life everlasting until the return of the King, until God comes and establishes His full-on presence right here on the earth with His people. Peace be with you. Amen. Karen wanted me to share two things with you, and we'll come, maybe come back to that, but uh, one is, okay, there was a little bit of a fire, not a big fire, a little bit of a fire, everything's under control, we're gonna, it's cool in the back, but we're going to open windows, just to force you to come forward and then I we're going to Frogtown and I thought that in order to really fully identify with what's going on there I would just take one of my teeth out so Karen said you have to tell him Paul because you look like a strange person that's been in a fight so I lost a tooth here so if you don't see it that's you know that my, my issue but I lost a tooth so she said I had to tell you about that want to identify with homeless people, and, and uh, there you go. The second is that we had this room filled, just like we do now with Japanese people last night. It was absolutely thrilling for them to hear the gospel, many for the first time. I sat next to a, a young boy who, the young boy, he's, he's doing his research. Listen to this. His, his uh, major is psychological anthropology. I said, what's your, what's your thesis on? He said, it's on the effect of smiling. I said, what a great subject. I, I want to read that when you put that together. And he said, I am now going to a Christian church because Christians are very kind. And he said, I'm studying the Bible. And so he's on the way. His name is Take. And we pray for Take and for the many who were here last night who heard the gospel probably for the first time, and are, are, some of them are good fruit, some of them are good soil, and that, that's going to be converted, and they're going to come to a place of life in Jesus Christ. So let's, let's go, go out with a song. We'll go upstairs. We've got more than enough food. If you have to run, get a plate. That's what I'd do. I'd, I'd fill up and head for the car if I had to go. So... Um, See, join the world. <laughs> okay, let's try this one. Are you ready? George to the world. 